Welcome to Read the Room, the one podcast championing the hope of the gospel in Australia through two white people pioneering the audio podcast format. My name is Mike Wardrop. This is Katie Isles, and today we are talking about evangelism, second gen ministry in Australia, and whether or not Katie is an honorary Asian, I doubt it. But before we get there, Katie, let's talk about the platform and the blessings and downfalls of when you get given a microphone and a bit of free reign. Oh, far out. Um, I mean, Hawksisms are kind of a thing. Um, Katie Isles' true ministry stories, as we've already touched upon, are a thing. Um, what so, happened this week? Okay, here's jokes that I've made from the platform. That oh, my f- gosh. I'm so ready. Fallen about. I made a joke about the Holocaust once. <laughs> and Only then once. Nobody said anything, so I doubled down on it oh. and I went, too soon? <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, James yes. is part Jewish. I made a joke about producer. AIDS once. 525,000. I didn't. I did make a joke about AIDS, but I didn't use the rent soundtrack to do it. Please keep going. Um, <laughs> This is the thing. Like, I remember like so a few times. My senior pastor's pulled me into his office and he's like, so just letting you know, we just really need you to play straight back today. Just play. Like, so for once, oh we boy. had this, during COVID, we had to get these new COVID, like COVID safe communion things, like yeah. individually wrapped. And one of our interns tried them and said, I feel like, you know, Jesus would be furious if he knew this is what his body and blood tasted like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I don't like, think that's inappropriate. And so I was just like, yeah, I don't. He's like, it's and then, then I said from the platform, oh, it's boy. hard to feel thankful for Jesus' death on the cross when it tastes this bad. I was like, and we had this like when there's other guests from like interstate or we're having like conferences going and stuff. Wide as a sheep. Andy once stood up without a microphone, turned around and went, she's joking, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> wow. When you can That's get the senior so pastor funny. out of his seat to do that, you know oh, you're nailing How protocol. How have I still got a job? I, I don't. Well, you're very good at all the other parts of your job. I once compared you to like uh, NBA star Russell Westbrook, who brings 90% amazing stuff to the table, but the other 10% you're just going to have to deal with. Yeah. And it's just the athleticism so good. The defense is so good. The dunking's so good. Yeah, there's turnovers. Yeah, you know, there's a few turnovers. He's also got mad attitude. He does, yeah. But yeah. do you feel like maybe I he almost, doesn't I and he comes across aloof? He's no, just, he maybe does. Russell Westbrook's just insanely introverted. I've actually met Russell Westbrook and Ooh. he does come across as arrogant. Did you run after him at Hillsong? Oh my gosh, what? No, I don't think he's the Hillsong type. I actually ran after him at a college basketball game in America, uh, this NBA lockout season. And did he go, don't talk to me? Pretty much. No, he just <laughs> Well we've I, all been there Mike. I was the first one there I just wanted to say hi I, I was actually wearing a Westbrook jersey Which I took off before I went to meet him Because I thought that would be Should have left it on bro Pathetic thing ever No I think that would have been worse But anyway Enough Five about seven Russ. white guy says thanks to Russell Westbrook <laughs> And he was so grateful <laughs> uh, His eye contact with his phone Just bled gratitude But enough about Westbrook um, I think the thing you're talking about Is just when you're on the stage And you're trying to build rapport there, and you're talking, and especially if you're in the hosting space, or if you're preaching, and you know what you're preaching about, but it's not—it's not that it's not landing, or it, or the congregation's just a little sleepy, or something, and you're trying to get them to—you're trying to spark something, and uh, then things can get a bit loose. It can a little bit sometimes, and I think it obviously depends on your personality type. Yeah. But um, my thing is, you will love me. 
no matter how many inappropriate things I say, and if I have to say inappropriate things to wake up, it's like the Tony Robbins school of mm-hmm. shock and awe. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it's funny, but I think, you know, it, it's, it's treading, that, much the same. treading that fine line between honour and respect while still being funny and compelling and that moment like I had a reformed friend of mine once say to me he's like Katie you're very funny but I'm not sure how helpful it is and I was like well I'm sorry for being a woman Dr. Man jokes reformed people we love you for more on that see episode one with Melinda Dwight amen which is awesome but yeah you did right like it, it happens all the time I, I do it all the time as well there's a there's a bit where you're trying to be loved there's a bit where you're just trying to engage like the gospel mm. matters i'm gonna get to something that's gonna land with you if oh. you let me if you'll follow along i had a clanger the other day oh, go on. um the one of our other pastors was doing the host and it was she literally and i thought i was doing the give and i couldn't find my i couldn't find my mic i don't know where i put it and then um and so she literally finished the host and was walking off the platform and i was still scrambling for my mic turned out the producer had it the whole time so that was helpful and um <laughs> and i ran up a stage i was like oh my gosh that was the fastest host ever that's why we call her three minute chloe and then i was like Oh, and I was like, just keep talking, just blow straight past that. We mm-hmm. just, oh, mm-hmm. it was horrific. And I was like, after I was like, I'm so sorry. I did not. That sounded so lewd, and I didn't mean for it. Oh my goodness. I don't think that sounds quite as bad. I've heard you say worse things than that. Oh, I'm so relieved to hear that. Is that <laughs> that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Anyway, it's funny because we were interviewing Steve Chong from yeah. Rice Ministries. Yeah. And at the beginning of it, I was like, how comfortable are you with us making racial jokes at your expense? And he was like, bring it on. He, he, was, he was so comfortable with it that I yeah. became uncomfortable with it. <laughs> <laughs> he made many, but he made white jokes to us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like we richly Steve's deserve a very them. confident man. Anyway, so if you are easily offended, this is probably not the podcast for you. Correct. Um, so you probably keep listening. And if you are not easily offended and you're wanting to learn from one of the masters of evangelism in Australia, listen on. I think, though, you've, you've touched on something here, and that is it is it is just hard to not be offensive right now. And uh, you know, Do you know what's interesting, though? I, I feel wonder- like Jesus was okay with that. I feel like maybe Paul <laughs> talked about that. But anyway, <laughs> you you, what, what were you going to say? Like, what are you going to do about it? Um, we had this interesting – we had this girl get saved. She was probably 19, 20, um, first-gen Christian. And we had a, a couple of um, – you know, a few gay people in our congregation at the time and um, somebody made a joke which she perceived to be a sort of a microaggression against mm-hmm. same-sex attracted people. And, of mm-hmm. course, it wasn't, but she was new to the cult. She was new to the church. She was new to the relationships, whatever. And um, and she comes to me and she was just outraged on this kid's behalf. And I was like, oh, he made the joke. <laughs> right. But I feel like it's funny because yeah. it was two things at yes. play, I think. One was that she hadn't yet been integrated enough relationally into culture and so yes. she assumed the worst yes low trust also, level yeah she did the classic thing that i've seen more and more and more of a white person she yes. to be outraged on yeah. what, a, what, what they perceive to be a minority's behalf yes and i get that it comes from noble intent but yes. it's not necessarily particularly helpful or constructive because none of that believes the best and none of that operates out of relationship mm. in the same way i think now when we're older, you feel a little bit hamstrung, like you can't say what you really want to say mm-hmm. because somebody might somewhere be offended and so mm, we better edit that yeah. the podcast or we better not this, or we better not that. And I just wonder if we're just a bit uptight in the church, but now everyone outside the church is 
catching up because we're all so woke. Yeah, Help you know, me. it's interesting. I had a conversation with a young adult recently who was who was talk, telling me they were hanging out with their grandparent and oh, the grandma was saying all these like totally racist things. And I was like, oh, well, tell me, what were they saying? And they started to unpack and I was like, well, that's not racist. That's just an old person using old language. It's not like they're out and out saying something racially insensitive even. Mm. And it was just at least in my perspective, a 19-year-old person looking at a, an 80-year-old person mm. through their lens. And to me, that's half the battle right now. I mean, obviously, there is racism and it's a mm. massive, massive evil. We're not trying to diminish that. But oh, of part of this so. battle is to go, how do we actually talk to each other? Yeah. How do we actually hear one another? How do we actually um, communicate to one another in a way where yeah. we will hear someone else's position and believe the best in them yeah. and listen to them and then be willing to push back but in love, not in not in this sort of woke internet war where we're getting our fingers sore from getting mad at Aunt Karen on Facebook. And I wonder if we do it a little bit theologically as well, like you sort of have left progressive mm. theology versus sort of more conservative orthodox evangelical theology mm-hmm. and we might even do the same to one another and it's like this insistence that unless you subscribe mm. hand on heart to every single thing I believe yes. and make me feel good about it at the yes. same time, I'm going to burn your house to the ground. Yeah. Like yeah. I have the, a girlfriend of mine and, and she's in a same-sex relationship and I invited her to come to this large christian conference with us and um she said oh, i couldn't go to that it's a fundamentally unsafe place for me and i was like what do you mean by that mm. i was like are people gonna like walk around going you're in a same-sex relationship yeah this woman like you know like shame or even Did talk about it shame. whatsoever i was just yeah. like what do you think i was like yeah. what are you talking about mm. i was like what about it is unsafe i was like do you need everyone to agree with you and affirm your life choices mm-hmm. and it was an interesting one because you say that and it's hard not even to have that conversation without sounding callous mm. and unfeeling or ignorant mm-hmm. and so it's, it's a tricky one like my husband, your best friend, yeah. was trying to really hold a centrist line between the Trump alleged incitement of, you know, the capital rioting mm. and everyone just going, well, Trump did this and Trump did that. And he's yes. like, well, hang on a minute. We don't necessarily know that. And he's like, I couldn't even hold a centrist line where all I was saying is we might not have all the information that we need to yes. have an informed discussion about yeah. this without getting savaged by, among others, me. So it's an interesting dynamic that we live in because it, mm. I feel like, you know, so with my friend who's, who's in a same-sex relationship, I said, well, what conversation do you want to have? Do you want to have the conversation where I make you feel better about your life choices or do you want to have a conversation based on empirical data? Yes. And we have defined the terms and we've defined the scope of the conversation so then we're all clear about what we're talking about. But if the aim of the conversation is for me to make you feel things that you want to feel or vice versa, why don't we just name that? It's an interesting one. And when we, you know, we're about to hear from Steve and and he talks predominantly about evangelism far more than he talks about what it's like to be a second gen. Um, and, and he does that, I think, because he's just so passionate about the mm. gospel. But that thing about the gospel is it, it's a stumbling block, you know, foolishness to the Greeks, a stumbling block to the Jews. And it's like that to every single one of us in one way or another. And that, that trick for all of us that are trying to preach the gospel is working out is it a stumbling block because it's a stumbling block or is it a stumbling block because we are the stumbling block in the mm. way we communicate and the trust we are able yeah. to build? It's an, it's an interesting conundrum. It's not one that's going to get solved anytime soon. Something I wonder sometimes just wrapping up is um, 
that I think sometimes when it comes to ministry and theology, we can get very wrapped up in wanting to win. Yeah. We want to be right. We want to win. We want to see you change your mind because we've got the better argument, but we forget that um, we need to be good. Mm. And it's like I want to love people more than I want to win. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's a posture that yeah. I'm – you know, continually learning, especially in ministry, because nobody's got opinions in Christian ministry and how things should be done in the church. Am I right? Um, and so, like, but that's that whole thing of, you know, and you see that kindness. In Steve, like, kindness yeah, is a fruit of the spirit. Yeah, it's just like, hey, I don't need gentleness. to beat you. I don't need to like vilify you publicly. Yeah. I don't need to shame you because you think differently to yes, me. Yes, it's wonderful. Um, yeah. So anyway, but listen to this man, Steve, who is a little five foot five pile of love. Um, who's doing some great things in the church in Australia and beyond. Well, we're so excited to have Steve Chong with us today on Read the Room, founding leader and director of the Rice Movement, which is sounds very impressive when you say it that way. Uh, <laughs> you know, you've, you've worked as a youth pastor, completed Bible college, seven years leading a church, and now, what is it, about 12 years leading Rice? How long's Rice been going? Well, actually, quite a, quite a bit more. Don't let my Asian genes fool you about how old I am. We've actually been going since uh, 2002 when I started it. So that's, that's a good 18, you can 19. 25. Look at you. You're a man. You know, Asians, we, um, we, we look young forever. You know that, don't you? Actually, for a long time. And then suddenly overnight... We, we, you wake up and we, we look like Mr. Miyagi from the Karate Kid. You know, you, know, you, you, know, you tell me, you never see Asians that are just a little bit old. They're either like full white beard or young. So that's what, how it rolls. Wow. Whereas, whereas white guys, we're just like fruit that have been left out in the sun too long. Like it, it ripens okay and then eventually just slowly starts to shrivel. And, and they shrivel. start to smell kind of funky. <laughs> <laughs> and the smell as well. Well, as you can see for the listeners here, this is going to be the most ridiculous episode you've been listened to because um, at the moment it looks like it's a comedy show, but we are talking about something serious though, right? We were talking about that? Jesus, 100% oh, promise. That's good. You and Naomi, your lovely wife, lead rice together. <laughs> Yes. You've been doing that for, so, what, 18 years is that? Well, we've been married for 15, so out of that, out of the, we've been doing it for 15. But, um, you know, we weren't, she hadn't, she hadn't, we hadn't found each other yet. She was at the first rice event, but she, her eyes weren't, you know, when it kind of clouded and the scales needed to fall off when she realised that I was actually the best-looking Asian man in that's, Australia. That's, <laughs> that's it. Everyone's got to have that moment, that revelation. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we really, we really want to, first of all, just really appreciate your time, man, and, and thankful for you giving up that time and space. So for excited. Us. And really want to dig into some of your um, passions about around, you know, Asian-Australian culture and obviously, well, actually, before we do that, Rice is going global, right? You, you've got yeah, yeah. stuff in Brazil and New Zealand. Totally, yes. Yeah. So the, the Rice movement, uh, you know, started in Sydney for the first I know like 15 of the 18, so maybe like 14, 14 years and grew and this was always going to be a Sydney thing, but um, has just, just exploded and uh, went from Sydney to Melbourne and then from Melbourne we went to, where did we go to? Auckland in New Zealand, then we went across to Perth and uh, then we went up to, and then things just kept going and then we jumped across to Sao Paulo in Brazil as you do um, and um, we're still waiting to find out where all the Asians are at in Adelaide, but um, 
Bit well, you're like Hillsong, man. Like, no Hillsong, no rice. Like, I don't know what happens to poor mm-hmm. South Aussie. Well, um, Steve, do you want to just, for the punters at home, just tell us what rice is? Absolutely. So the rice movement is a thing that um, is, a, is a youth movement that's been gathered with largely Asian youth. It's not exclusively for Asians. Everyone can come. Uh, we love that. We think the gospel's for everybody. Uh, but we do have, uh, God, so for some reason, has mobilised that network of of, of, um, of that demographic, and I think purposely so, given the the, the, the rise of Asia and how significantly you know distance Australia, how close distance um, Australia is to Asia. But that's been um, something really at the core of it. The core of it is evangelism. So at, at my heart, I, I'm an evangelist. I love seeing uh, people come to know Jesus, definitely young people. And uh, from the very, very beginning, we saw, uh, we came together just to proclaim proclaim the good news about Jesus. And we just saw so many people come to know and understand Jesus' death, his resurrection, uh, that he died for their sins and that he's um, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And so we, we love that. We proclaim that. We love it. And that's the uh, that's the aim. That's what we do. So it's just a, it's also got a, it's now got a revival element to it so the word rice stands for renewal or revival and um renewal and interchurch evangelism and uh so that's why we're is the rice uh acronym intentional well you know that is such a good question okay everyone no one dares to ask me because it's like i want to know if you've made your own microaggressions towards (laughs) your own culture You know, Kate, that's a bold question and a good question, and you are allowed to ask any awkward Asian questions you want today. I've given you permission because I've made you both honorary Asians today, and I can do that apparently. So there it is. Thank you. Very good. And uh, let me, what was even the question now? Uh, yeah, yeah, rice. So what's really funny was we didn't start it out to be an Asian movement. In the first time we began, um, uh, we had, uh, it started with. Uh, uh, we, we came we came together, we evangelized young people, and then when we all came together, there was this moment in one of those late night meetings, you know, like um you know, sometimes you have these church late night meetings where everyone goes a bit silly, like one o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. everyone's hanging out, celebrating how good it was, everyone's like, That was amazing. And then uh, not many people know this story, but um we said, Look, we don't even have a name for this thing. We just ran this event and like a hundred young people came to the hall, you know, that was back then before it was, you know, thousands of people, and we said, We've got to name this thing. So we someone said, Look, what do we do? And then uh, and then someone said, well, it's got to have the word evangelism in it. And Asians, you know, we, we love acronyms. We acronym everything. So everything is just, if you look at the Asian church's names, they're all CCC or CABC, BBC. So we love doing it. So we're like, it's got to have E in it for evangelism. And then someone said, well, we're not one church. We're, we're all different churches here. So let's call it interchurch evangelism. So we spelled it out and we let, we called ICE. And we thought, let's call ourselves ICE. <laughs> but the drug is- the drug had just come out. Well, we are the ice capital of Australia right <laughs> See, here. That's the prime. Still number one, baby. Still number one. Holding <laughs> that number one. You're a little Wine bit too and methamphetamine. I ate cannabis. Come on. And cannabis. And, cannabis. and yeah. highest percentage serial killers. Oh, my goodness me. So you see that the Lord had us connected with Adelaide from the very beginning. Mm. And, and it was um, so we were going, ice. we can't call ice. We're laughing. And then some guy, the funny guy, just as a joke, literally as a joke. So listen, iron we're all Asian. We eat rice. Let's have an iron for We're like, oh, we can't do that. Otherwise, you know, 20 years later, we'll be in a podcast and someone will say, why'd you call yourselves rice? No, we can't, we can't do it. And so we've got to do that. And then, and then um, the, the moment happened. Do you want the moment? This is the moment. This is the moment. So good. This is the now, moment. Um, oh, actually, can I tell you, there's a, there's a little thing that happened. There was a guy, a really super introverted Asian. I mean, like Asians generally are quite quiet. 
not me, but normally. And and this guy was the quiet of the quiet. This made Asian, this guy made, and he was so quiet, he never spoke. And he was in the corner and suddenly he started speaking. He was the only one who could speak Chinese in the room and write Chinese, definitely the only one who could write Chinese. And he said, guys, guys, and we're like, he's speaking. And we said, what? And he said, do you guys know what the Chinese character for rice is? And we're like, no, we're Aussie Asians. We have no idea. And he's got a bit of paper and he drew it. And it's, oh, look, hey, I'm wearing it. I didn't even plan to wear it. Look, he drew a Jesus symbol cross with two strokes that go in towards the cross and then two strokes that go out of the cross. And he's like, that's what, it, that's what the Chinese symbol for rice is. And we're like, it's on. We come, we come, we bring everyone towards Jesus, tell everyone about Jesus. And from there, it's stuck until God brought a revival movement through it. We call it R. And there's a story. Amazing. Amazing. We love it, man. Speaking of great stories, um, read your Wikipedia page, which I'm sure you update regularly, Steve. I did not even um, know I had one. So, um, And it says that your parents were converted when you were about one year old from Buddhism to Christianity at a Billy Graham crusade. Yes. And so that's incredible because I said to the guys, do you know what the gift of that to you was? Was it that uh, it meant... It meant no, go on. It meant you're in too deep now. That your parents, you got all the benefits of Asian culture, all the great food, all the great yeah, snacks, yeah, without yeah. the pressure to be a pharmacist. <laughs> it's true. This is this is exactly right. Look at you now. You're a pastor, eating spring rolls. There it is. I'm a pastor. The rice movement. Could you please? And no one's shaming you at Christmas <laughs> lunch over <laughs> yum cha. Could you please contact whoever put made my Wikipedia page or put it up and now make it that, just call me pastor who eats spring rolls unashamedly. Just, just, if you can make that the, the opening line, that would be fantastic. Yeah. I'm like, God is good all the time. Yeah, all the time he is good. This is true. This is true. So, you know, my parents didn't put pressure on me in that. And um, uh, although they did want me to, you know, you can't really get rid of the Asian out of the upbringing. So we did sort of, you know, you know, that still was the odd kind of, I got 99.5 in a test and we sort of checked where the 0.5 went. But, but we, we, we know, but, 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 but at the same time, no, look, seriously, they wanted me to follow my passions and, and um, that was Jesus and silly. So that was great. So it came out of that, um, that moment with uh, them being converted to Billy Graham Crusade, who happens to be my, uh, you know, the earthly hero. So, yeah. Amazing. Well, and, and I mean, this seems to be one of the hallmarks of the rice movement, right, is evangelism. And, um, you know, you, you were mentioning earlier that uh, an article dropped in Eternity that you're pretty heavily featured in about evangelism. What, what are some of the hallmarks that you see of successful evangelism in Australia in the 21st century? Because I think I, I love Billy Graham and he's a hero to me too, but it's, it's a long time ago. Absolutely. And I feel like we've been trying to ride on the past successes of evangelism in Australia. Ooh, that's so true. I do think we have been trying to ride on those past successes and I do think that, um, and we're also riding off the back of, I think, the prayers of a former generation. Yeah. This one. And um, so what's the question is, like, kind of like what do we need to do now? Or, or what do you see actually working? I mean, especially amongst young people. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think young people, are, um, unfortunately, have got to the point where many of them, not all, but many have been become disillusioned with the church institute, uh, institutions, um, and there's a number of reasons for that. And, and, and that, was, that became really apparent to me when we did the, uh, I was on this reality TV show, I'm not sure if you know, from like um, on SBS, uh, which, is, um, which did this kind of Big Brother crazy experiment where they put like 10 
uh, Christian was in a room. And yeah, we definitely it. had questions about that. But sure you did, yeah. yeah anyway, <laughs> so we can talk about that later. But basically, um, in that, I just realised, hey, look, there's a lot of disillusionment with, with, the, with the church from young people right now. But one thing that's very important to understand is that I, I don't believe, and the statistics people uh, and McCrindle research and others will show you diagrams that will back this up, that I don't believe that they've actually lost an interest in Jesus. So this is the thing that's really interesting. Um, I feel like they may have lost an interest in the church, which is a, sh- a shame. It does need to be redeemed. But I, I do believe that young people are open to Jesus. And um, even in many ways, more than ever, you know, we do have the most lonely and isolated generation that we live in uh, or in the history of the world. And uh, Jesus speaks a ton into those, into those moments into that, in, in, and breaks into them. Uh, to be honest, I think one of the biggest issues that has happened, and this is really key, this is really key for me right now, is um, I believe that the church has unfortunately believed, started to believe the narrative that, um, that the media or Satan or whoever, I don't know, has really... Same, same. Don't <laughs> You said it. Uh, you know, I, I just, you know, believe the narrative that 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 Christian is dying. I mean, that 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 which we'll talk about later. That reality TV show that was on. The, the actual premise behind was never advertised as the premise was to show that Christianity is over. Like it's 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 a gone thing in Australia. And I want to say no, no, it's actually not because what has actually happened is unfortunately the church has started to believe that narrative, mm. and we've shrunk back. But actually what we need to do is go more bold than ever. And I believe that what's actually happening, and it's the key, is they've lost a sense of expectation that when you talk to someone about Jesus, that really uh, God can change their life in seconds mm-hmm. by the Holy Spirit. And people just sort of, the church has started to shrink back when they should be stepping forward with boldness. And so I'm calling on the church to do that at the moment. So, okay, so what does that look like in a uniquely Australian context? Because um, I think sometimes... It can be this combination, certainly what we would, I would see in our, in our context is that you've got a whole bunch of super overscheduled people who are very busy and important, just ask them, and, um, and then you've got the, the cynicism and disillusionment from outside, you know, based on royal commissions and, you know, moral failings and all of the things that, that tarnish the brand, and then you've got um, us, like you say, believing that we don't have something to offer, that the power of God mm. isn't going to work through us. What then do you say to the 45, 50-year-old busy professional Australian male or the, you know, young mother or the, you know, the teenager whose whose friends at school are telling them that they're an idiot if they believe in God because science, et cetera? What do you say to that? Yeah, I mean, I say, I say that I personally recognise that it's a, a significant barrier, a significant issue. It's not like we, everyone's out there going, don't worry about Jesus. You know, it's, it's not like that at all. Let's not, get, let's not get that picture. But here's what I would tell them, that the, the Lord has never been frightened or s- sat back in the face of persecution, in the face of, um, of, of um, animosity to the gospel. In fact, the very opposite. That's when we've seen the church grow the most. So let, let's kind of... Take that fact and, and I was going to say smoke it, which is not really the most appropriate thing to say in Adelaide. Put in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> but I just, I just love to smoke that. It would make a nice change for methamphetamine. Sounds like Kate's on this drug, um, this uh, drug track today. I'm going to try and get her off it. But <laughs> You'll never do it. I'll never do it, in Adelaide. I'm a pastor. 
You need, more, it's all you need more rehab than that, Steve. Uh, I need more rehab than that. <laughs> so, so uh, what was I saying is that what we need to do is we need to realize that that is when we've seen the church grow. The whole church was birthed in the context of persecution. So it's not like that. We can't go back to the early church guys and go, look, you know, I, I hope you're getting your friendship evangelism worked out and making sure that that's all worked. It was like, no, what was happening is we were getting killed if we stood up and talked about Jesus and the church was born. So you guys are worried about the, a few negative media articles and people thinking you're stupid in the playground. Well, hello. And um, that's where you sort of step forward into it. And that's when we see the church move forward. It's actually, we, we shrink back. And, and actually recently, I'm not sure if you want to ask about it later, but, you know, not many years ago now, Naomi and I went to uh, Iraq in the middle of the, 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 the ISIS stronghold that we were 10 kilometers away from ISIS's headquarters in, in just outside of Mosul and we're hearing bombs go off and everything. It was crazy. And in that time, we were working with the persecuted Christians there. And that for me, I'm not joking and I'm not exaggerating. That was the most alive I've ever seen Christianity in my life. It was the purest form of, if I can say that, Christianity, the most alive and boldest people I've ever seen in my life, hands down. No, no, no one's even close to it. It's another ball game. We've never seen anything like it in Australia. These guys are guys who've lost everything, yet one guy would say, and he said, and uh, he said, he said, um, let me get the quote exactly right. He said, before ISIS came, I was a Sunday Christian, which meant he just goes to church on the weekend, work, church weekend. After ISIS came, I lost everything, but now my faith in Jesus has become alive and so for me, ISIS is a gift. I mean, who, 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 who thinks like that? And, and I'm saying there's something about we're missing. We, we take persecution, we go, well, we better work our way around, that'll be sensitive. No, they're winning if they do that. Yeah, and I think that's heaps interesting, like the, the sense of desperation that persecution creates is part of what I think is a thriving culture of evangelism is, is you just feel desperate. Whereas I wonder in Australia, you know, I sometimes heard the analogy that it's like you put that frog in a, in a pot of water and then slowly turn the heat up and the frog just doesn't even realise it's boiling. Wow. And I wonder, you know, if there's a bit of an analogy for us there at the moment. Um, you know, when you talk about, let's go to rice and young people there for a second, Steve, you know, if you talked before about introverted, let's say there's a quite introverted Asian kid, he's 14 years old. He's going to a, a school right now. And, you know, Australian schools right now are literally like anything goes like it, anything can happen in Australian school in the 2020s. So how do you, how do you equip a, a 14 or 15 year old introverted kid? You know, cause the classic defenses in Australia about evangelism are often like, Oh, you know, I'm afraid I don't know enough or I, or I you know, maybe I believe, but I, I don't know if I, I have the equipment to, to help them believe. Um, how do you equip a, a kid like that in a context like this? Yeah, that's such a good question, Mike. Come on. You know, I, I, I think that, um, that one of the issues, I'll get to the 14-year-old kid in a minute, but I think generally what Christians do at the moment for some reason, and I'm part of this, uh, have, have been part of this, is that we are so busy making excuses uh, for how hard this conversation is going to be that it's almost like we battle against ourselves. So it's like, well, I might not get it right. I might not, or, or if I do that, say the wrong way, I might offend or I built this relationship really strong over, I might remember the dinner three times or maybe eight times or, and I just don't want to kind of bomb it. And I'm like, if we, we spent so much time making excuses for the other person, 
in, in case in case they hear the wrong answer from us or in case they we're that 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 we're so scared to take the faith jump and if we which is a faith jump to ask them and and it, what's totally mind-boggling is if we're too scared to take that faith jump how can we ask the other person to take the bigger faith jump, which we're asking to do, which is, hey, give up your life and put it all under Jesus Christ. Would you mind doing that? Just sort of chuck everything, put it under. And we're like, we were too scared to jump forward. And we ask this person to like, oh, give it all up. Like, it's just madness. It's all, it's all the wrong way around. If we can't do it, then they can't see that we're serious about this. And so for me, I think that's a, the first issue, which is the, the multitude of problems or barriers that I think the enemy uses in our heads to convince ourselves out of that moment of simply asking you know, will, um, uh, can, uh, you know, will you, would you like to have a relationship with Jesus? Um, the second thing is with the 14 year old introverted Asian kid, of which there are apparently a few. That's <laughs> I my progression. You're making me sound like I'm doing this when you, before they start recording, Kate, you are all over this. This is Katie's greatest gift to the world, Steve. <laughs> she <laughs> set me wasted. up. She, she set me up. Surf the wave. Don't try and swim against it. I can't. I've given up finding it. Okay, she's too. She's too quick. So here's what I. What am I talking about? Now I've lost one from that. Fourteen-year-old kid. Fourteen-year-old introverted kid. And um, let me tell you that the, the the first thing I would say I would talk to them about is um, so, so so often people think well they're extroverts that you know people like myself or whatever you can go and do your thing and um, we can't because we're introverted. I think that's a Total false dichotomy. The Holy Spirit doesn't go, I'm going to work with extroverts. It just just doesn't exist. The Holy Spirit actually worked with a bunch of uh, scared disciples that were scared. So, you know, they were trembling and scared. They weren't like, come on, let me out the world. They were were scared. I mean, um, you know, Peter might have been a bit kind of like, whoa, let's go. But the others, you know, I mean, there's there's no, the Holy Spirit doesn't pick and choose. And secondly, I also found in my experience of going up to people, even in the park and, and talking, that introverts often... Uh, when, when they have more barriers to, to start talking, but once they begin, I feel like they get further than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know why it is. I think maybe strangest thing I'm selling something because I'm a kind of selling kind of guy. You know, I am technically I'm t- selling of Jesus. But introverts build a depth that 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 extroverts can't touch. But here's where it gets to the 14 year old. I would tell them this story. Uh, my son, I have four kids, two boys, two girls. When my eldest son was eight. Uh, what he did was one night uh, just before going to bed, he said, Dad, I said, what? He goes, did you start rice? And I said, well, uh, God started, gave him the good, good right answer. God started rice and he used that. And he said, okay. And he said, how did you start? How did you start rice? So uh, I said, well, I told him I just prayed a prayer, a prayer that simply said, God, use me however you want. And I said that one line prayer and then everything went really fast. And he said, okay. Next night, he comes, uh, he goes to sleep and comes up the next morning. He says, Dad, Dad. I said, what? He goes, you're not going to believe what happened. And I said, what? He goes, last night, I prayed that prayer. I, I forgot what I was talking about. So what prayer? He goes, I, I prayed, God, use me however you want. I said, that's great. And he said, you know what happened? The moment I said, amen, God told me what he wanted me to do. I said, now I was really interested. I'm like, I like, I was like, did you hear him like audibly? Because I've never heard him. He's like, no, no. He's like, no, I just, I just knew. I said, what did you do? He said, God told me to bring a Bible to school tomorrow. He goes to public school. And he said, because he said, he said, um, my, my best friend, um, he's a Buddhist. And is it true, daddy, that if he doesn't know Jesus, that he will spend eternity without Jesus if he died? And I had to say, well, 
well, yes, it's true. And he said, so doesn't it make sense to me just to tell him? And I'm like, I'm trying to complicate this. Come on. No. And so what he did was, he said, so do you think taking the Bible to school tomorrow is a good idea? And I'm thinking, no, it's a, it's a public school. Like, I'm doing the excuses. I'm like, you're going to get expelled. The principal's going to call me. The mother's going to call me. Like, like what's going to happen? But he's, I, of course, I dug deep and I said, yes, great idea. And he went to school. And when the recess bell rang, he, he plucked off enough courage. And, and he, when, the, when they came out, he said to his friend, and he said, hey, um, uh, he said, uh, he said um, hey, just wondering, instead of playing Pokemon or handball today, you know, do you, would you be, like to read the Bible with me? And the boy said, his friend said, what's the Bible? And then he said, what's well, a book about Jesus? And the boy said, ready? Can you imagine, I can imagine my son's little heart beating. Uh, and the boy said, yeah, okay. So you got the Bible out and sat down and started reading. That grew and more kids started wanting to read that. And then it kept going. And one stage they had 50 eight-year-olds reading at lunchtime. 50. In a public uh, school. In a public school, 50 50. What the heck? Wait, 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 wait. I, I don't reckon I could get 58-year-olds to read, like, Harry Potter. <laughs> there, may, there may have been some chips involved that he gave out, but, <laughs> but it's true. No, no, yeah, it's mm-hmm. extraordinary. And you know why? That's the power. You know why? I'll tell you yeah. why it is, guys, and I'll finish in this line. The Holy Spirit honours and puts favour on boldness like that. He, yeah. The Holy Spirit is the great evangelist. He's the one who's always pointing to Jesus. John chapter 14 to 16 is all about testifying to Jesus. And what little, my son, little Reuben, he just opened his mouth with boldness, simple, simplistic. They're like, if I don't tell him, he won't know. He doesn't know, he'll die without Jesus. Better tell him. And, and he's too young to put up all the barriers and worry. But as we get older, for some reason, we, we put the barriers up. So I, I hope that inspires our listeners to say, hey, look, you know, I don't, whether you're listening and you're young, old, or you're talking to your kids, get behind them in that because there is no junior Holy Spirit. Billy Graham didn't get one and, and, and then gave a downsized, you know, make, 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 uh, whatever you call it, value kids. Happy meal version. Happy, happy meal. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Stephen, you're amazing. We appreciate you. We'll be praying for you. In fact, why don't we pray for you right now? I love that. And love um, we pray that you'll finally do something with your life. Oh, yeah, sure. I don't do honor much. to the family. I, yeah. <laughs> she finally got there. That was a – she finally did an Asian race joke, man, but I give permission and I love that. Honouring families are biblical. It's a biblical good concept. So sure. It's, it's also way more visceral in Asian culture. <laughs> So we've got something to learn. Exactly. She's letting loose. Well, look, guys, it's been great. We need to unmute the church, but we might need to mute Katie in a second. So. Oh, we do. That is my slogan that I'm trying to put out there at the moment. <clears throat> you know, I do think it's become a prophetic symbol, you know, just for uh, in the sense of calling the church out. You know, I, we, the amount of times we've said during COVID, oh, sorry, you're on mute. Could you unmute? Yeah. I just think that's what we're saying to the church. Sorry, church, you're on mute. Could you, you know, um, could you unmute? And um, I just feel like, um, yeah, that, that, that's... That's what we need to call the church to do. You know, COVID has been, you know, the frog that you were saying that slowly getting boiled. The problem is that nothing jolted him, the frog out of that, just kept, temperature kept rising. But COVID has become that jolt. It, is, it has been the jolt that God has, um, you know, I guess allowed us to, to have, you know, I, I, you know, and in terms of the church getting woken up, shaken up um, in the same way that it happened to the church in Iraq, the same for, for other things. We've had experienced something that's been really hard you know, internationally for us to, to deal with. And that's a chance for us now to be shaken out, woken up, and say, what what next? Um, rather than kind of go back into our hidey holes. Uh, but it's time to unmute the church. So we're very excited about that. 
Yeah. So good, man. So the report that you were just involved with was The Future of the Australian Church. It was released by McCrindle. Um, so get a hold of that if you haven't already. There's also some fantastic supporting research that was released last year from the Barna Group. Um, which is called um, Faith for the Future, all of that research will show that there is huge openness, particularly amongst young adults, to things of spirituality and faith. So can yeah. you just tell me the most ridiculous conversation you had on that show? That's a great question, yeah, that you're allowed to tell us about. No, tell us the <laughs> order. Uh, the most ridiculous conversation. I mean, like, off air? Like that didn't make, that didn't make the cut sure. or doesn't matter? Doesn't matter. Uh, whatever. Could have been the pitch by the producers when they came to you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the most ridiculous one, I mean, it is, it, there are so many and, like, I don't even know where to begin, but there, there were, there were, it, it's, I'm, I'm hesitating because it's hard. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say things that are unhelpful, you know, obviously, but, um, but listen, there, there is a, I won't name anyone in the house, if you're listening, I'm sure you know who you are, but I, I just think that that there are people that I, I realise in the world who just do not take um, the Bible as a standard for what God wants and what he sees as, um, on this earth. And for me, I, I don't understand how that can happen. I, I, for me, it's, um, it's, it's what he says in the word. It's a gift that he's given us. And, and um, I think that, that there's, I understand that there's a lot of pressure to, to bend to what the world says, that that book is outdated. But when I see Christians say that and think that, I, I, my, my, heart, my heart gets hurt. Um, so that, that, is, that is a real shame. But um, but you know there, there were some you know wonderful and lovely people um, that I also met in there, and it was just a great, crazy—I wouldn't call it great, perhaps—but maybe just a crazy <laughs> experience to be on um, on that show. So hopefully, I was able to represent Jesus and, and what He did. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, awesome. it's, a, it's really, really interesting opportunity. Hey, um, I, look, I guess the last thing I really wanted to know, man, is. And maybe you don't have an answer to this, short of the Holy Spirit shrug emoji. Um, it, but what makes rice work? Could you say maybe something about the Holy Spirit? Just missed that. <laughs> well, I you said your answer might just be the Holy Spirit with a <laughs> shrug emoji next to it. You know, shrug emoji. Got it. <laughs> what makes rice work? All these years later, expansion overseas, hundreds, thousands of young people finding yeah. Jesus being developed in their faith. Because whichever way you slice it, you're 41 years old and in youth ministry. Yeah, and more power to you, man. I did more than a decade and tapped out. Thank you, Kate. In in um, Asian culture, that means you're meant to honour me because of my age. And um, you are slightly older than us. Uh, yeah. Just, just there we go. But um, you know uh, what? I mean, obviously, I, I think the answer is always is a Holy Spirit shrug emoji with everyone, um, with all ministries. It always has to be because it's always uh, beyond anything that we can do in our own gifts. If not, oh. then it's um, shorter shorter fall. Um, and uh, but for me. You know, I, I think for me there's a couple of things. One is uh, for us, um, we love bringing together so unity and evangelism. I think unity and evangelism have a, have a special dance that they do together, those two words, that um, are meant to be together and attracts the favour of God. And that sounds a very out there thing to say, but I, I do have biblical justification for that. Jesus' prayer for the early church in John chapter 17 was that the world, uh, that, that, that disciples may be one, united, so that the world may know. And um, in Psalm something, uh, it talks about, you know, um, how blessed uh, it is when brothers uh, dwell in unity. 
And it's like the favor of God, which is represented by the oil, which is like oil that drips down, uh, you know, on Aaron's beard. And I just think for me, that's where God's favor has been on. And, um, you know, I guess Billy Graham's ministry had a similar thing. And unity is hard because we, because by definition, people don't agree on stuff. But um, we do, uh, we are willing to work with anyone who proclaims Jesus Christ as Lord. And that's why the favors come because God likes his church working together. He doesn't like them tearing each other's eyes out. Um, he, and he likes the word, he likes his, 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 his son. The father loves his son being made known. And so I think that's really what the main thing is. There's been other uh, secondary things, which is the drawing together of the East and West with regards to the Asians um, and in, in the West. I think there's a timeliness for that being the Asian century and the growth of Asia right now is just something that we're all living in a time that we don't realise is one of the most significant moments in just global history. You know, with you know, Europe around the world for a big chunk. America runs the world for a big chunk and really Asia's uh, driving that that's we're the bridge point now so we don't often get this not everyone gets to live at those bridge points so that moment is happening and Australia happens to be the only major western country sorry New Zealand you're major too but um you know that's that's in in the of the west but not is there, of the west but not in the west so we have a very significant hinge role in Australia um, and I believe that over the city of Adelaide as well um, and you know we're really hoping to do some work in Adelaide soon if we if we can you know get through a blow away all the drug smokers just kind of hovering above the city and also the drawing together of word and spirit I think God we've also tried to do that you know I'm, I'm a word man I love the word but I, I love the spirit people say which one are you more I say I'm 100% both I'm 100% word I'm 100% spirit and um, I believe that also is why God's blessed it because Jesus is fully word spirit and when um, when 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 God created the world the spirit was there hovering over the uh, face of the earth and then he spoke with his word and then the world came so god's creative power happens when those two things happen again so for me i just there's some of the reasons but in the end shrug emoji holy spirit let's go come yeah, on that's so good man and we couldn't agree more you know about being word and spirit people bible fed spirit led let's go yes come on that's where we love to that's what we love to see well it's been wonderful meeting you um honorary asians now and you have become looking you're looking a little bit more asian and i'm going to tell you you're both short-sighted or what I am, I am, I don't know what I am, but these are only like a month old, but I'm far well, less tired now that I wear them. But basically all Asians wear glasses deep down. I've had laser eye surgery, so I, I, I've covered oh, it. So you're, that was his nod. He's like, crap, I'm 41 level. and I can't wear glasses and be taken by <laughs> Asian kids. Well, you guys are now definitely on Asian, so welcome to the Rice family, you two. And um, I'm expecting you uh, to get more and more Asianists coming out over the years. Love it. Love it. Love hey, it, man, Steve. we appreciate you. Thanks We're so, so excited much. to hear what God's going to do next. Well, you want to pray for Steve? Yes, I do. And, and, and I'm going to pray for you guys straight after. Oh, thank you. you. Thank you. Jesus, we thank you that you are word and spirit, that you give yes. yourself fully to us. And, Lord, we just pray the absolute favour of heaven and the empowerment of your presence more and more and more to flow through Steve, Naomi, their kids, through Rice, through over Sydney and New South Wales. Lord, we just speak revival. We just speak the finished work of the cross into every part of every person, every context that Steve and his team will engage with. And so, Jesus, we just ask that you will break the ground ahead of him and that everything before him will be yes and amen. And we just ask yes. in your son's name, amen. I'm just going to pray for you too. Why don't you just stretch your hands out like this so I can just lay my hands on you virtually. 
uh, without any fear of COVID transactions happening here. <laughs> Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray over Mike and Kate. I just pray over this podcast. And I pray, Lord God, that people will be listening to this and they will be drawn to you in such a way that that um, that you are, it's just irresistible. They won't um, that that they would that they would be drawn through Mike and Kate's words and through their hosting, and that would be uh, connected to you, Jesus, in a way that changes their whole life. And I pray for boldness to rise up in these two, that that even their family and friends would start to come to know you. Even people through this podcast might start to come to know you. And on that note, if you if you listen to this and you don't know Jesus, you stumbled on this, just really want you to, to get down in these now and pray as well and give your life to Jesus because it's, it's worth it. And so, Father, I just pray for, for, for Mike and Kate. And, Lord God, I just pray a blessing on them. I believe that you guys are, are, are becoming like a, a microphone for our nation and you're going to start speaking out more and more um, into the world so that people, the church, comes together. And so I pray, Lord God, for your favour to pour out this. And I pray that this podcast, that this partnership would actually be used to see revival be brought through into this nation and for the world. And so I pray a blessing over them, over their uh, marriages, families, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Steve. We're so glad to have met you. We really appreciate it, man. You're amazing. You're amazing. Okay. Well, what an amazing privilege it is to hear from Steve. Like, just a great man of God. I, I love, he's just so charismatic and, and not, you know, we can get all cold of personality and ministry, but there's something about somebody that's like Steve that just enables him to pioneer and build ministry, which I think is awesome. Uh, if you're not familiar with Rice Ministry, you need to get on that. Follow Steve on Insta, follow Rice in all their um, different cities and countries on Insta, Facebook, all the socials. And of course, check him out online as well. If you are Asian Australian or of any Asian descent across any other country, I'd really encourage you to get in touch with Steve because there is something happening of like-minded folk, of, of like-minded um, cultural backgrounds that is really seeing the gospel progress because there is a unique and beautiful ministry happening in that space. Hey, if you're new to Read the Room, if this is your first episode, thanks for listening. We'd love you to do all the normal podcast things. Please like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a review. It just helps us uh, get seen and heard by more people. And of course, uh, feel free to give us a follow on insta at read the room oz that's oz because yet again we haven't got the good one yet we're coming for you read the room whoever you are but we love you so much can't wait next episode katie who are we going to hear from mike hands he's a our guy dear friend and he is the newly minted uh, lead minister of new life church on the gold coast so he is a legend and he is uh been eating a lot of protein bars and going to the gym i can't so wait to talk about that can't wait to talk about it exclusively because what is ministry without a six pack <laughs> oh, frankly i wouldn't know <laughs> anyway thanks for being yeah. with us we look forward to seeing you again